Hi everybody and welcome to Marketplace Jungle, where we explore the world of marketplaces outside of Amazon. I'm your host, Jesse Ragg from eChameleon, and in this episode I'm joined by none other than Chloe Thomas. Chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you're a fan of podcasts and you work in e-commerce, which means that Chloe probably needs no introduction. Chloe is an author and the host of in my opinion, two of the best e-commerce podcasts in the English-speaking world, and she was an inspiration for me starting this podcast. Although her experience is not specifically marketplace-related, she's got over 20 years of experience working in marketing and e-commerce and spends her day-to-day talking to industry leaders from around the world and successful e-commerce businesses, picking apart what works and what doesn't. And it was with that in mind that I wanted to bring Chloe on as an early guest to the show, specifically to talk to her about where marketplaces should fit into the overall business. So in this episode, you can expect to learn what role marketplaces can play in your overall e-commerce business, why it makes sense to build a relationship with the team at non-Amazon marketplaces, how and why marketplaces attempt to win you as a partner, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, Chloe Thomas. Chloe, thank you so much for joining on Marketplace Jungle. It's amazing to have you on as a guest. You inspired me to start a podcast when you had me on your show. And here we are today. The tables have turned. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining. Wow. I'm very happy to have inspired you to start this show because I think it's got um, got what you're putting together is a really interesting way of looking at the marketplace space that I think is going to help loads of people. And it's always lovely to chat, chat with you. So it's very cool. We're recording this one. I couldn't agree more. Chloe, obviously the focus of Marketplace Jungle is marketplaces outside of Amazon. There's there's no end of content out there, be it blogs, podcasts, YouTube videos, whatever, wherever you consume your your media in 2023. There's so much content for Amazon sellers, for businesses looking at marketplaces that can understand how Amazon works and how to optimize Amazon. You can do it until the cows come home. There's not that much out there, as far as I'm aware, that looks at the other marketplaces out there and I'm conscious obviously you're not a marketplace expert per se but you bring a unique perspective to the marketing to the e-commerce world not just from your own experience but also because of your podcast where you now talk to every single expert there is you you get the best people on your show you get successful sellers you get industry experts you get providers you get agencies you you get to have such great conversations and so i wanted to really use this conversation to pick your brains on figuring out how an e-commerce business can decide for themselves whether or not marketplaces should play a role in their overall strategy because it's easy for me as a marketplace person to get bogged down in the details of Amazon versus eBay versus Kaufland versus Otto but I'd like to talk about marketplaces as a part of the business as a whole um, and before we jump into that because I know you very well but our listeners might not I'd love for you to take a couple of moments to introduce yourself and tell us particularly how you got into e-commerce and what you do on a day-to-day basis that I didn't just describe. (laughs) Cool. Um, So I've been 
in marketing for over 20 years now, in e-commerce for nearly 20 years. We're nearly up to the 20-year anniversary. And I ended up in e-commerce by accident back in the early 2000s when I was trying to escape the world of banking. And I got hired by a UK high street retailer to be their catalogue marketing manager. So yeah, I started off in direct mail, got a little bit obsessed with e-commerce. My next role was um, the head of e-commerce for a group of mail order brands. So I got to do the first ever mail order stuff across a whole load of, not mail order, sorry, website stuff across a whole load of load of brands and launched the first uh, Google ads campaigns, first emails. It was a really, really exciting time. Then I spent 10 years running a marketing agency where we primarily focused on Google ads and what I do now was my escape route from agency life Um, and I've been doing this for 20 years, sorry, no, over 10 years now. Um, For a historian, I'm terrible with dates, sorry everybody. Um, But for the last 10 years, I've been running e-commerce master plan, which is uh, has evolved into being a source of information for e-commerce brand owners and marketers to help them make better marketing decisions. So rather than going, tell me your problems and I'll tell you the solutions, I try and give people the knowledge they need to make better decisions in their business. Because the whole, throughout my career, the challenge has always been separating all those hundreds of thousands of things you could do in e-commerce from the small handful of things you really should be doing to make the biggest difference in your brand. And one-on-one, I can't help everyone, but via my podcast, my books, um, and getting to come on podcasts like this, I can hopefully help hundreds and thousands of people. You've certainly already, you've certainly helped me and I'm not even your target customer. Um, <laughs> just with the tips from, from your not one, not two, but three podcasts. And what are we up to now? Two books, three books? Uh, five books. Okay, I've lost count. Yeah, that's right. Incredible. There's been five over the years. Um, The most popular one is called e-commerce marketing, how to get traffic that buys to your website. And um, that one's uh, obviously does exactly what I said we're here to try and do is to help people work out how to make better decisions. Um, And then there's there are there's three podcasts. Um, So we've got e-commerce master plan which is the the daddy of it all. Been going since 2015. Every Monday I put live an interview with a different retailer. Um, and that, that's our big, big show. Then there's the Keep Optimizing podcast that I launched in 2021. She's going to get her dates wrong again, but anyway, we'll go with 2021, where each month we focus on a different marketing method. And each Wednesday, I interview a different expert in that method. So you can join us and do a monthly masterclass on different topics. And that's where you came and joined us, Jesse, wasn't it, for our Marketplaces Month? Because we like to push the boundaries of what marketing is on that show. And then the third one is Tiny. And it's my little audio diary about the journey my business is taking towards net zero. So that's my little sustainability diary, which exists as much to keep me making progress because I need something to talk about in the episodes as it does um, to help other people. So that's that's like the secret one. I'm impressed you found that one. It's a fantastic cause. And uh, definitely I listen to all three of them as much as I can because I think they're all very well put together. Um, and, and as I said, it's also an inspiration for, for me doing this podcast because I think it is really nice to see that it's possible to put good content out there in a way which is actually also entertaining to listen to and helps give perspective on what other people are doing. And it really helps to break down a lot of those barriers 
behind and, and let people see what's happening behind the scenes of these brands that many people know, you know, from whether it's from the high street or because they're just successful businesses, you actually get to understand who the people are behind those businesses and, and what's ticking. And it's nice to know as a retailer or as a as, as any kind of business owner that even these people are, are struggling or they have their own issues or they've figured out solutions to problems that you're also facing and that it's things that you can easily implement and it's not some magic wand that they've got or it's not their never-ending marketing budgets. It's actually just the right decisions being made by the right people at the right time and these are things that anyone can do. Yeah, we, we definitely try and steer clear of the I made it rich in 30 seconds by deploying this XYZ strategy. We're a lot more practical than that. And, you know, the the aim is always to to inspire, to help without getting to click here, do this, but also um, to make sure that, you know, that our, for me, it's a win if someone listening goes, oh, well, they did well with that, but I'm never doing that because that's definitely not for my brand. That is as much of a win for me as someone going, oh my God, I'd never thought of doing that. That's the best strategy ever. Right, guys, clear the rest of the week. You need to listen to this and we're doing what they've done. Um, I'm happy if it goes either way because that's a good decision made for a business. And you said that marketplaces is a, you know, you, you were kind of questioning where the um, boundary of marketing is by bringing marketplaces in as a topic because obviously marketplaces being relatively it's a relatively new space and particularly since covid for a lot of businesses a brand new space but you can maybe argue that 2007 2004 is when it really kind of became a, a topic with ebay and then amazon eventually and obviously now hundreds of potential marketplaces out there Many businesses don't know even whether it belongs to marketing or sales or IT or is it a B2B or a B2C sales model? Is it drop shipping? What is, what is this? What even is a marketplace? There's so many questions that remain unanswered there for a lot of businesses. Um, but you mentioned specifically the brand side of things. And that's a concern that a lot of brands now, not retailers, have when they look at marketplaces as a model. They look at an Amazon and they say, oh, no, we don't want to be associated with Amazon because whether it's because of the bad press if it's a if it's a sustainable brand that maybe has its own ethical reasons for not wanting to deal with amazon or if it's a you know a rolex of the world and they feel like it might cheapen or damage the brand image in some way the other side of that coin of course is that probably someone is selling your products on the marketplace anyway so is it better for you to try and take control of that and sell them yourselves or do you just kind of distance yourself from that and hope that that doesn't happen and bury your head in the sand and then of course the question comes up of okay which other marketplaces exist there's La Radeau, the high-end marketplace in France and you've got Farfetch again very exclusive marketplaces to get onto and Zalando's somewhere around there and about you as well before you then have your Kauflands and your Ombuys and your C-discounts of the world where you know anyone can open up and that Rolex might be next to some tap from the Far East that you know, costs a couple of quid and 50 euros postage, but someone's going to buy it. How does a brand in that position make a decision on whether or not marketplaces actually add something to or detract from the brand image that they've so carefully curated? I think it, I think marketplaces is one of those places where people have gone, ooh, more sales, bright, shiny object, we'll send them a feed and it'll all be be cushy and and then 
spent the next couple of years unpicking the chaos that descended because they made a decision without actually making, you know, properly going through the decision making process. So I think for any brand, you need to start off by working out what it is you're trying to achieve from marketplace or what it is you think marketplace strategy might achieve. And that comes down to, you know, inventory availability, the cost of being there, the, you know, these customers that might come to your brand later on and buy from you direct, or are you happy for them to be the marketplace's customer, but it's just another sales channel. So is this a sales channel? Is it a marketing tactic to make your brand more more well known? So as they come back to you for the second purchase, um, what does the ops side of it look like, uh, both from the tech side and the um, the fundamental warehousing side of it? Because there's often a whole other load of stuff you're going to have to worry about if you're doing that. So I think I think. If you try and drill all that down, it comes to comes down to brand, profit, and probably a little bit of team and manpower skill set in there as well. And once you've got your head around, you know, whether you want whether you whether you're doing this just to improve the PL, you just are on a volume play. We just need more need to sell more product. They've got loads of customers. Let's put our product there, we'll shift more great if you but you might be doing it as a well if we partner with these smaller marketplaces who are really aligned to our brand then you know you mentioned earlier the high level um ones like la redoute and farfetch etc you know to be a luxury brand and to be getting your products onto there it's good from brand perspective it's good for finding the right customers who will probably remember your brand because let's face it's clothing the labels in the back they know where they got it from if they want more they might come direct to you um, so there's all these different different reasons for doing it, um, but you can catch a cold very, very quickly from an ops perspective, from a profit perspective, from a manpower perspective, from a brand perspective, if you don't think it all through from all sides of the business. Because what I'm trying to say is launching onto marketplaces, whether currently you're a wholesaler, a manufacturer, uh, you're running your own Shopify store, Launching onto marketplaces is a whole new business model that you are bringing into your business. So just assume everything gets twice as complicated. Um, I know there's lots of great, great systems and tools and stuff around to make it less than that, but it is another, it is a you know a secondary business model that you are going to be wrestling with. It's funny as well because obviously a lot of people, a lot of sellers on marketplaces have used it as the first opportunity to actually sell directly to consumer, particularly more traditional B2B brands who, okay, maybe they had a brick and mortar store as well, a high street store, and that could arguably be attributed more towards marketing than sales from a brand awareness perspective, because I don't know who goes shopping on the high street these days, apparently nobody. Um, well, you but, say that, but the recent stats in the UK are actually the high street did quite well it's this Christmas. It's no coming worries. back, isn't it? It is coming back. Yeah, I should be I should be kinder. <laughs> but, but if you if a brand is looking at a brick and mortar presence as part of the marketing rather than the sales side, then you could assume that they would look at marketplaces potentially as their f- as an extension of that as part of the marketing and it's purely a case of okay if somebody's looking for nike shoes maybe the maybe it's nice if they see an advert for some adidas or, or puma shoes alongside that and it's just a case of getting the brand out there among them but there are other brands who really see it as a sales channel 
and they've recognized that there is an opportunity there to regain not only the control over how their brand is being represented on the marketplace, because perhaps it wasn't being represented very well by their retail partners who were just interested in getting the products live and didn't really care about how they looked. Um, but on top of that, it's an opportunity now for them to get extra margin. They don't have to sell it to Amazon. They can sell it on Amazon. And then once they've got that Amazon model going, they're like, okay, well, marketplaces are actually a thing. We're selling directly to our consumers to now. We're making a much bigger margin. Let's now add as many channels as we can. And yes, as you said, there's a, there's, there's no end of operational issues there that they do have to solve. But again, I, f- I find myself wondering, is there a... Is there a formula that a brand can use to determine whether or not that strategy is for them? Is it worth taking that risk? I think I don't think there's a one size fits all formula because I think all e-commerce brands, um, all manufacturing brands and their objectives are slightly different. You know, they're appealing to a slightly different customer base. Their obvious choice of marketplaces may be slightly different. And, you know, there's, there's so many different marketplace strategies these days as well. So. I don't think there's a one size fits all template, but I think that or formula rather, but I think there is a getting clear on your objectives and what you want to achieve financially, um, in terms of volume, in terms of profit, look at how much you can afford to invest, look at what capacity you've got in terms of inventory, because um, depending on the algorithm that the uh, that the marketplace is using to sell your product, if we, if we use the A word, if we mention Amazon, their algorithm, basically, if you go out of stock, that's it, game over. It's going to take you a huge amount of effort to get those sales back up. So you can end up in the position of being, well, oh my Lord, uh, we need to keep Amazon in stocks. So we better go out of stock on our own website because the next container doesn't arrive for a few weeks. You do not want to be in that situation. You need to have your ducks in a row processes lined up, the manpower in place to manage these issues, the cash flow to manage these things. So as you are actually taking advantage of the marketplace, you've gone through the process to agree deals with and to get set up on. So you need to to understand them and to be ready to play the game on each one. So you need to understand what your profit angles are, your inventory side of it, um, and your internal manpower and what tech you're going to need in place to make it easy. Because if you're not going on Amazon and the bigger marketplaces, you're probably ending up going on multiple marketplaces, which means you need to be taking advantage of the methods of streamlining this with your tech. And you need to be aware that how you market and grow sales on each of these marketplaces is probably slightly different. You know, you need to understand what their SEO is, what they're looking for. Um, do they have some form of advertising, whether it's a, you know, via a a system like Facebook ads where you can boost your products or whether it's extra feature in their weekly newsletter or an event you're going to, you know, a pseudo event you're running with them. So you need to be ready to build these relationships if necessary or to learn the marketing. So I think you asked me about a formula and I've gone off into marketing, but what I'm trying to say is you need to understand what your objectives are and have you got the manpower, the inventory, what's going to hit your your targets for sales and for profit And then do quite a lot of research on what marketplace options are out there before you dive in, which sounds like a lot of work because it is if you want it to be successful. You did touch on a a very relevant point there, though, being that the the relationship with the marketplace is also very important. 
And that's something that I think a lot of people underestimate, especially if they've had experience dealing with Amazon. From a seller perspective on Amazon, seller support is renowned as being, you might as well not bother. Uh, you might as well not bother opening a support case because it's just as likely that they're going to ignore it as that they're going to solve it. Even as a vendor, the relationship is generally just, yeah, once a year they try and get a better deal and they once a year we have to be ready to fight tooth and nail to protect our margins. That's Amazon, but most other marketplaces, they're aware that they are not Amazon. So there's usually a team of people behind the scenes working specifically for you, whether or not you know it, but they're probably work, They're probably optimizing your listings for you on their marketplace because they know better than anyone how their algorithm how their algorithm is working. They'll be having sale events. They'll be getting in touch with you and saying, "Hey, do you want to, you know, can you offer some sort of discount because we want to put your brand in on this Mother's Day sale that we've got coming up or whatever it might be," and they're actually going to be on your team because. They know they're not Amazon. They are also competing against Amazon for for traffic, and they know that your brand is a good tool that will enable them to do that. So, collaborating with these marketplaces, marketplaces, and understanding that they're there to help you can actually be a, a help rather than a hindrance. We, if we take it kind of to an extreme, there's a retailer I've had on my podcast called Bear Kind. Lucy Jeffrey is the person behind it. They sell socks. Um, then and each sock has the image of an animal on it and each time the sock gets sold um, they give money to a charity that supports that specific animal awesome premise for a d2c brand uh, for a shopify brand however they have discovered the joys of selling to boutiques via wholesale marketplaces like fair f-a-i-r-e and the stuff that lucy is doing to wring every little bit of um, sales out of that marketplace. You know, I, I follow her on LinkedIn and she's been down to the fair head offices to chat with them at least once, if not more times than that. She has, um, when they're doing, so fair will run a deal where they will give, if, if you bring on a new boutique, a new customer, they will give that person X amount of stock for free. So they'll cover the cost of say a hundred pounds of stock and then maybe, I think Lucy, on the most recent deal I've seen Lucy sharing, she's then doing a deal. She's she's bumped that up to give them another 10% off anything they order above that in, whole, you know, in, in wholesale terms. So she is seeing what promotions Fair are offering her. She's leveraging them. She's actively recruiting brand, um, brands and boutiques and potential customers, wholesale customers for her, offline to get them too fair to take advantage of that system and that process. Now, that is obviously a wholesale example, not a consumer example, but she has seen this is a big opportunity for my business. We are going to put in the time and effort to build the relationships, to make the connections, to work with the systems, to play the game, to do the right marketing, to get our product to perform in this place because we know it's going to be good for our business. And she's reached the point going into 2023 where she's spending nine months of the year focusing on the wholesale sales and then the Christmas period she's focusing on her D2C sales because that's when everyone buys socks with pictures of animals on them. Um, so it's becoming a huge part of her business because she's been she's done the testing in 2022, been very successful in 2022 and has gone, this is our strategy. How can we make the most out of this? How can we do this? How can we wring every last bit of goodness out of this marketplace? 
or this set of marketplaces potentially for you, depending on what your strategy is, before we move on to others? Because I think sometimes there's this idea that we've got 10 marketplaces. If we add another 10, we'll double our sales. And it's like, actually, you need to do each marketplace well with the, by putting the right tech in place, the right internal systems in place, building relationships with the marketplaces that want relationships, optimizing the tech in the places where they want you to optimize the tech and they just want you to, to log in and tweak things. So it, you've got to spend, be, be ready to invest some time in making these work for you because the days of listing something and getting, you know, 100 grand in sales is long over. Um, let's be honest. Mm, absolutely. But it's also, you really nailed it there with the number of marketplaces because, again, a lot of sellers will look at the Amazon business that's maybe running well and they'll think, okay, cool, let's repeat that. Let's add Walmart or let's add you know eBay or some niche marketplace, which is good for our category. And they'll go through all of the work and they'll put the same amount of effort in as they put into Amazon and then they realize that they get 10% of the sales from this new channel that they get from Amazon. And then they end up in a position where maybe 90% of their revenue is coming from Amazon and that's a very dangerous position to be yeah. in. But the solution to that isn't adding one more channel because no other channel is an Amazon. So realistically, and this is obviously different per brand, per category, per country, but you may need to add two, five, 10, 50 marketplaces to generate that same income that you're getting from Amazon. And so what you're talking about there is what, I see as a very interesting trend for 2023-24 and I think it's going to have the potential of being the next e-commerce boom is these is B2B marketplaces because it's I feel like it's not being talked about that much yet but there's a ever growing number of B2B marketplaces uh, there's some big ones in Australia there's uh, BioDoc is another one from the UK where they're connecting to more like high, uh, the Tesco's and Morrison's and Sainsbury's and WH Smith's of the world but they all present an opportunity for people like Lucy with a traditional or, or with a D2C business that's a very untraditional business model. It's quite a new way of getting products to consumers is, is dealing, is going, get it made, get it straight to the consumer, forget about the distribution stuff in the middle. And the tables are turning and we're going back to this old school way of adding more links into the chain before it gets to the consumer. But for these D2C first, marketplace first brands who have never had to deal with B2B arrangements, they're realizing, wow, I can sell not one, but 10,000 products. And that means I don't have to do 10,000 invoices and shipments. I have to do one. And I get all that cash in the bank and I can put my feet up now for nine months <laughs> compared to what I was doing before, where I was optimizing my bullet points five times a day. Jesse, I don't think anyone can now put their I'm... feet up for nine months in e-commerce, but I like the idea. But yeah, it, it's, it is, isn't it? It's like you're saying, you know, there's there's also that skill set piece. With your mm -hmm. example of we're getting we're getting 90% of our sales on Amazon, let's now diversify that onto other marketplaces. The, the, your your skill set for Amazon, you're not talking to anyone. You are in the nitty gritty of SEO, it's essentially kind of like SEO meets Google ads because you're changing, you're tweaking, you're changing the tech, you're tweaking the words, you're playing the game with the Amazon setup, you're dealing with all the stuff that comes in and then you've, obviously you've got the customer service side of it as well. But then you look at, um, at the other marketplaces where you've probably got to build a relationship. So you probably need another team member 
you leave your Amazon person who's great at the ones and the zeros and the detail and you have them worrying about setting the feeds up, optimizing the content and doing all the stuff they do on Amazon, but they are probably not they may give it a good stab, but they're not going to get you the best results at building relationships, going and having the chat and working out, have you got any deals on? You got any offers we can do? What what are other brands doing that you're seeing is working really well? They're not the person who's who's going to do great at asking those questions. So you're probably going to end up with getting a second person on board to bring in that skill set into the mix for you. Well, Amazon's very formulaic. You, mm. it's it's quite easy to, as I said, there's enough content out there for anyone to go and look at a successful selling on Amazon formula that plays to the algorithm and. Bob's your uncle. The problem is, and you just, you really nailed it there, that person for selling on Amazon with that methodology is actually going to be in your way. They're, they're going to be a hindrance rather than a help when it comes to selling on the next marketplace. And whether that's because of the technical details, purely because selling on eBay is different to selling on Amazon and there's just completely different rules and you've got to relearn everything. But also, as you said, I think you need a very different mindset, almost a more proactive dare I say mindset to go out there and kind of think outside the box and say hey look you guys are doing this can we maybe work something out here and be aware that from a non-amazon marketplace that will actually be looked at positively that won't just be put in a queue somewhere and dealt with in six months time by some AI driven chat support yeah exactly I, I know several um, several marketplaces are deep into buying Google ads and doing Google shopping campaigns to drive sales of the products on their marketplace now if you know they're doing that then what you can do is you can say well what if I gave you an extra x hundred? x thousand for the next month to promote our products with your google ads would you be up for building a specific campaign for our products to push us ahead of the other products you've got that might look similar to ours um, to help you on your marketplace that could be some of the best couple of thousand pounds you spend across the whole year but unless you're having the conversation with the marketplace to find out what they're doing and how you can help them help you on everywhere apart from the really big ones where those conversations are available, you're not going to get the results you can get, which is why, why you know, you need to be very strategic with your choice of marketplaces and then putting in the effort to leverage the sales. Mm. Fantastic point to end on. Chloe, I'm, I'm really aware of your time. Let's bring it home. I, I actually want to finish these interviews by asking our marketplace experts or our guests where they go to stay up to date on marketplace news. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to ask you that because I already know that you talk to all the industry experts. <laughs> I do know that on all of your conversations with your industry experts, you ask a set of questions. And I'm not going to turn the tables on all of those questions, but I do have to ask you if we were to agree to take Friday afternoon off <laughs> and read a book to improve our business, which book would you recommend? Oh man, that's a tricky one. Um, so my absolute favourite book, I've, can I give you two? I always let my guests do two. You can, two. and you can also give me yours as well. Okay, cool. So my two would be the most recent book I've read, be ready because this is a bit of a uh, one. It's a book called The World is on Fire, but we're still buying shoes by Alec Leach. It's a teeny tiny book and it is very well written and it takes us through both from the industry perspective and the consumer perspective how we should be shifting our habits to help the planet and it's not overly scary. Things with sustainability you need a little bit of fear combined with a lot of optimism 
um, practical tips. And this has the right mix, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm plugging this one quite heavily in places. And the other one, to go really much, really marketing heavy is brilliant clever lady called Mindy Weinstein who I had on the podcast um, earlier this year who's written a book called The Power of Scarcity um, where she dives into the four different ways in which you can use scarcity in your marketing and I think this is a marketing method that as we all get better with our inventory levels we get better with not overproducing stock and sending stuff to landfill scarcity is a marketing method we all need to get our heads around and I mean true scarcity not fake scarcity so the power of scarcity by Mindy Weinstein and the world is on fire but we're still buying shoes by Alex Leach would be my two picks Thank you so much. I've always wondered what you would answer to that question because I know you ask everyone. Uh, my uh, answer great, changes great to get your insight on every single week to that question, <laughs> but that's the current. Chloe, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Well, there may not be a shortage of Chloe content out there, but being on this side of the table was really a special treat. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and would just like to take this opportunity to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to Marketplace Jungle. If you have any feedback on this episode or would like to recommend or apply to be a guest on the show, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to show your support, please do hit that subscribe button as it really does help us to grow. Thanks everyone and see you next time.